you know, upon reflection, I haven't seen this movie. You haven't, have you? No, it's one of those pop culture things that I've heard so much about that I feel like I've seen it. People like to poke fun at it. They sure do. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until the end that I realized that (laughs) I hadn't seen it. It is a lot of fun to poke fun at, but at the same time, it's not. It's not, guys. It's heavy. It's so heavy. Little Onions were starting out Pride Month heavy. Oh, God. And you know what? We are going to have more heavy content this month, but oh, can't wait. Can't wait to talk about all of the gay pain. Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where all we've got is trauma and Brokeback Mountain. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2005 romantic drama, Brokeback Mountain. Oh my goodness, guys. (laughs) Oh man. Happy Pride Month, everybody. I mean, I don't know that I'm happy, but... (laughs) We're going to be looking at some emotional and heavy queer stories this month. Yeah, I... uh, Oh, come on, get excited. No, it's hard to get excited. Get excited about the heavy queer pain. Uh, We're going to break it down. Some of the best movies out there for it. Are we going to break it down or are they going to break me down? Because swear to God, that's what's going to happen. Are we going to break it there or break it back? Oh, you are fired. Yeah, that really does deserve firing, doesn't it? <laughs> that was awful. I would have kicked you out for that. You would have. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we get started, don't forget, go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That is with an and and not an ampersand. <laughs> He's making fun of me. (laughs) And don't forget, folks, please be practicing in Pride Month those three R's. Rate, review, and retweet. Rate, review, retweet. Folks, want everyone to come and join this little queer watch party this month. And if we haven't mentioned it 12 times already, it is Pride Month. It's the perfect time to support independent queer podcasts. I'm not pointing at anybody in particular. She's literally finger pointing at herself. (laughs) But yeah, guys, for just $5 a month, you can get access to all of our bonus content yeah. on the Patreon. Yeah, guys, there's never been a better time than to for you to give us your money, you know? <laughs> yeah, guys, we got all of our bonus content over there. We do all of our long-form coverage, all of our television coverage, and all of our bonus content over there on the Patreon. We did every single episode of HBO's John Adams and Netflix's The Haunting of Hill House. We've got new long-form coming for you this year, and it's going to be great. We're not ready to commit to announcing that yet because it's a big project but it is guys it's fun it's a lot of fun it's only five dollars a month you get two posts a month hopefully on time and (laughs) stop it give us some grace okay (laughs) we have lives to live and then we do this for you so all right you ready to go up the mountain partner i (laughs) there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to unpack there there is a lot to unpack here in this narrative For work, I suggest you get in here pronto. Well, since we're gonna be working together, I reckon it's time we start drinking together. Yeah! 
business but ours. Just like this, always. This thing grabs hold of us in the wrong place, and we're dead. The boy sure found a way to make the town pass up there. You don't go up there to fish. You don't know nothing about her. You have no idea how bad it gets. If you can't fix it, you got a standard. I wish I knew how to quit you. This movie is kind of credited with the explosion of modern queer cinema. Like, kind of brought it into the mainstream, it's, right? Yeah. The concept of coming out as queer, uh, declaring yourself a member of the Alphabet Mafia, uh, was not a new thing in the early millennium, in of the course. early aughts, but only from about the release of this movie on did it seem to become more socially acceptable to be out and proud, at least in the middle America, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you see something like this go mainstream, it kind of gives permission. Yeah. You know, like, if we're portraying this with very well-known and beloved actors, it's kind of giving permission. And these... These two boys, they were hot at the time, you know? Yeah, Heath Ledger, yeah, Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, I cannot believe I've never seen this. And it's because it was poked fun at so much through, you know, movies and TV when we were coming up that I think you felt like you saw it anyway. Yeah. Because the whole, all this boils down to, for most Americans, is that something happened between... <laughs> Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal in the tent in Brokeback Mountain. That's it. <laughs> People are like, have you seen Brokeback Mountain? The, the one where Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal have gay sex? <laughs> yeah. Homo sex? No! No! Not the homo sex! And you know, most of America's just clutching their pearls like... <gasps> No, this can't be mainstream. Like, like the, like the the impact this movie had, and the range of reactions that were had about this movie, like all the way from the very positive to the absolutely deplorable. Like, it got like on the on the deplorable side. Like the Westboro Baptist Church actually picketed Heath Ledger's funeral over this. Yeah, which like he didn't die until like 2011, 2012. This movie was already, like, six years old at that point, and they're still picketing over this? I mean, you know, it only came out in 2005, and it's already on the National Film Registry. You're goddamn right. In the Library of Congress. You know that, like, the shirts from this movie are, like, 
No, they're not. Do not tell me this right now. They're like they're in the Autry Museum, I think, because they really because they were sold for charity, and the person who bought them said that they were the ruby slippers of our time. Um. <laughs> Which I don't know about I that. I mean, okay. I don't know about that, but it's a lovely sentiment. This film that we're discussing today is based off of a short story by Annie Prowl. Yeah, I was. I couldn't wait to hear you try and pronounce Prue. this woman's it last name. Is based off of a short story by Annie Prue. Originally came out in October of 1997. It was published in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. This story follows two men over the course of. 20 years, literally from like 1963 to 1983, these two cowboys in the American West, and they like to hook up on Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> they get hired on as sheep herders for a summer, and shit happens. It does. And in a very... Um, it gets cold up on that mountain. In a very stern time for anyone who's different in America, in uh, Wyoming. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know, I know. Which, by the way, we have got to get our asses up to Wyoming sometime. Uh, we're going to talk about it. Oh, We're so, going to talk about it. So pretty. Even though it's Canada. <laughs> it is it's Canada. It's not even Wyoming in the movie. <laughs> it's mostly shot in Canada. You're right. And this... You know, it, it won a couple of prizes. It got the National Magazine Award in 1998 for fiction. Won third place for the O. Henry Awards. Hey! So, I mean, isn't this story, I mean, isn't it a little O. Henry? Like, <laughs> what do you mean a little? I, don't you think so? <laughs> like, very O. Henry. But no, yeah, this movie just kind of shattered a lot of illusions about, you know, queer love and queer stories and queer romances and, and masculinity at least in the modern time at least in the new millennium it made 164 million dollars it won best adapted screenplay at the oscars it won best director at the oscars for director ang lee now he is a taiwanese filmmaker he has made some other notable things uh like sense and sensibility mm -hmm. from 1995 every british person's got a dick in their mouth about sense and sensibility <laughs> That's the one with Kate Winslet and, you know, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson and all the Harry Potter actors you can count. <laughs> yep. He did um, Hulk yeah. from 2003. Life and, of Pi. And Life of Pi. Yes, you'll know him for that as well. Did you read what this film lost to for Best Picture that year? What was it? Crash. I don't with, even know what that is. With Matt Dillon and Sandra Bullock? I still don't know what that is. Are you kidding me? I am Kevin Malone. Are you kidding me? Is it Matt Dillon? It yeah. Is. I, thought, I thought maybe you were <laughs> trying to say it was Matt Damon, but no. Matt Damon was almost in this movie. Yeah, no, and of course this film caused a bunch of stink. You know, conservatives in this country hated that people were exposed to this content. And you know what? That capitalism and conservatism, they are like the main villains to most happiness. So yeah. we're just letting people be who they are. Like, guys, being gay or being queer is not a disease. You can't catch it. Like, you see this movie and all of a sudden you're going to be afflicted? That's not how it works. But it is considered the turning point for the advancement of queer cinema. I believe it. And, like, you know, obviously it gets poked fun at. We're going to poke fun at it. Just a little. Just a little bit. <laughs> it's too long. I mean, the gay cowboy story? Come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Please. And, folks, you might have guessed it, oh, but... Boy. 
We've got names. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Please welcome him back to Kicking and Streaming. Uh, Carrie. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Listen. I'll behave myself. I don't like the pronunciation of this character's name. (laughs) I want to call him Enos Del Mar. (laughs) But they say Annis. It is. It is Annis. Please welcome back as Annis Del Mar, Heath Ledger. He's been with us before. He was with us when we did The Patriot, and he was with us when we did 10 Things I Hate About You, and he was also with us when we did A Knight's Tale. So welcome back for your fourth kicking and streaming appearance, Heath. R.I.P. I love him so I much. I also love him so much. He's an amazing actor. And he's so beautiful. And he's so beautiful, and he was just taken from us. He was. Taken from us by his own demons, goddammit. I hate it. I know. And guys, you'll obviously also know him from The Dark Knight. He <laughs> uh, probably one of the most acclaimed portrayals of the Joker character from the DC universe. That was the way uh, that was a question mark. I, I'm sorry. No, yes, it is DC. <laughs> you know I have the problems with that. <laughs> you don't know from superheroes. Uh, he's an Oscar winner. Uh, we love you, Heath. We're so glad to have you back with us this week. Playing uh, Cowboy Jack Twist... What a name. And fellow sheep herder. Yeah. (laughs) We have a please welcome him to kicking and streaming, I think. Yeah, I don't think we've done a Gyllenhaal. In his very first appearance, we have Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal? No. (laughs) Gyllenhaal. You'll know him from the famous Gyllenhaal acting family. And what does that even fucking mean? (laughs) I know two Gyllenhaals. This one and Maggie. Yeah. His sister. Yeah. Donnie Darko, Homegrown, Day After Tomorrow. I love Day After Tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It's really silly, but I love it. I love that he's in love and other drugs with Anne Hathaway. This is true. Also playing her romantic counterpart. Please welcome her back to Kicking and Streaming as Alma Beers Del Mar, Ennis's wife. Yes. We have Michelle Williams. Yes. Uh, She was with us when we covered 10 Things I Hate About You with Heath Ledger. Yep. She was with us when we covered My Week with Marilyn, where she played Marilyn Monroe. Blue Valentine, Wendy and Lucy, Manchester by the Sea. And um, also Dawson's Creek. Who can forget Dawson's Creek? (laughs) Also, who can forget that she was married to and has a child with Heath Ledger? Wait. Yep. I did forget that. This is where that relationship began. Aww. It was on the set of this movie. Wow. They were married for like two years, and then they got divorced, and they had a kid, Matilda. Aww. Their daughter, Matilda. And he passed away... When Matilda was not an infant, but between one and two, something like that. Oh, now I'm even more sad. I know. I'm sad that she'll never get to, like, know, know her father. Like, just, Michelle, I hope the first thing you showed her wasn't Brokeback Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm saying. I doubt it. Anyway, and and Alma's a really interesting character. Can't wait to talk about her. Please welcome her back to kicking and streaming. (laughs) One of our screen queens, we absolutely love her. The queen of Genovia herself. <laughs> Please welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, Anne Hathaway. She is playing Lorene Newsom Twist, Jack's eventual wife. Like, does it get more Texas than Lorene? Uh, Anne Hathaway has been with us before. She was with us when we did Brokeback. No. <laughs> We're doing that now. She was <laughs> She was with us when we covered The Princess Diaries. She was with us when we covered The Devil Wears Prada. She was also with us when we covered Valentine's Day. 
And Les Mis. Um, she is definitely Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, baby. Love and Other Drugs. Alice in Wonderland. I can't wait to cover that with you. She's the Red Queen in that, isn't She's she? She's the White Queen. Oh, the White that. Queen. That's right. Yeah. Get smart. Oh, no. I love Get Smart, that <laughs> stupid, horrible movie. Steve Carell. Also, Hel- uh, Hella Enchanted. <laughs> wow, I'm on a roll today. <laughs> Ella Enchanted. Um, Anne Hathaway is reaching, I feel like, the status of American treasure in the same way Tom Hanks is. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like Tom Hanks is to our parents' generation what Anne Hathaway has been to us in that Aww, sense. That's sweet. Like, protect her at all costs. Where's Princess Diaries 3? <laughs> we, It'll happen. We have to do royal engagement. We do. I'm very, I just, I, I'm sorry. It's one of the, it's like on par with the, it's like the, it's like the Shrek 2 vibes you know (laughs) it's it's just a really great sequel all right some other folks here please welcome back after like four long years in his second kicking and streaming appearance (laughs) mr randy quaid as joe aguirre i hate how that's pronounced the sheep herder man the sheep herder foreman it's aguire that's how that's spelled it's aguirre all right he's just a white man and you don't like that it's that's his name (laughs) all right Randy Quaid was with us in our second ever kicking and streaming coverage when we did Independence Day. (laughs) We've got to do kicking and streaming remastered someday because those episodes are rough audio wise. You you can't blame us. We were in a closet and we we had nothing. We were babies. We were just starting out. You will know him best as Dennis Quaid's brother. Stop. Yeah. (laughs) He's in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, And who can forget his stunning voice? portrayal of Alameda Slim in Home on the Range, which we must cover! I blew your mind this afternoon! I was like, Ross, he's Alameda Slim! Here we go, boys! 5,000 cattle in the sand pocket! Everything. Yeah. That's amazing, Randy. He's also in A Streetcar Named Desire from 1984. Ooh. Okay, Randy. He looked different. He did. When I picture Randy Quaid, all I think is Russell Case from <laughs> Independence Day. I can fly. I'm a pilot. I, I can fly. <laughs> I'm pilot. <laughs> I'm drunk, but <laughs> no one seems to care about that. As eventual girlfriend to Ennis. Can we please call him Ennis? No! That's not his name. I'm gonna call him Ennis. Okay. No, uh, you're not. Uh, we uh, As Cassie Cartwright, we have Linda Cardellini. The way the back half of this movie is populated by character actors I never thought would be here. You will know her from Freaks and Geeks, ER, Bloodline, Dead to Me, Mad Men. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's Velma fucking Dinkley from the live action <laughs> Scooby-Doo's. I mean, come on, Velma has never been hotter. <laughs> Legally blonde. She's in the fucking MCU? Yeah, she is. Why? <laughs> Everybody is at this point. I can't stand it! The MCU is now like the new law and order. Everybody's in it at least once. Mm. Anyway, Linda, welcome. Welcome to Kicking and Streaming. We love you. You're so hot and so talented. <laughs> uh, guys, Anna Ferris is here. Which, what the hell? As LaShawn Malone, an eventual friend of Jack and Loreen. And who's playing her husband? David Harbour. <laughs> 
Anna Ferris, you'll know from scary movie films. Thank God we didn't do them on main feed. <laughs> and I think she'd forgive that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and David Harbour is Hopper from Stranger Things. Yes! <laughs> and then we've also got Kate Mara as Alma Del Mar Jr. I couldn't believe it. I was like, all these people popping up randomly. Zoe Barnes from House of Cards. Oh, Jesus. Hayden McLean from American Horror Story Murder House. You know, I was going to say this till later, but I think she was a good choice to play the adult version of Heath Ledger's kid because there's something about the shape of her mouth. She looks like she could be his kid. Like, you know, Heath Ledger has a famously very beautiful mouth, right? Like, sure. Very specifically shaped mouth. And I don't know. It's something about that. I feel like they could realistically be related. All right, guys, we absolutely must get to this content. Because it's going to destroy us. It is going to destroy us. <sighs> get your emotional stretching out. Like, yeah. oh, got to flex these feeling muscles. All right, guys, we are going to be examining a lot of the elements of staunched queer male pain Yeah. in this. It's a good place to start out. It's a good way of seeing how people in these times, men in these times notably, uh, deal with the rage about how they can't be openly queer. Yeah. And um, it's a lot. I wrote, my first note is, ah, oh, yes, the American West, the only true place to be gay as hell. Ah, uh, not exactly. So we're in Wyoming in 1963. Signal Wyoming. Yeah, I know. And we meet Cowboy Ennis Del Mar. And he is try- he is waiting around by this trailer all day. He's trying to get work as some sort of... He's trying to get ranch work because that's his background, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is if you live in Wyoming. If you are a man <laughs> who lives in Wyoming, you probably work at a store or you work on a ranch. Yeah. <laughs> there are two kinds of America in Wyoming. <laughs> Guys, there's no one there. Yeah, no. Daytime speed limits in Wyoming, 120 miles an hour. Stop! There is no one there. It is the least populated U.S. state. Love it. Sounds amazing. It's also a hotbed of rampant evil conservatism, but Uh, Dick Cheney of uh, the great state of Wyoming. No. Yeah, I know, the literal war criminal. Anyway, and so while he's waiting around for Mr. Aguirre to show up, little Joe... Uh, to show up and give him some work. We also meet Jack Twist, who shows up in this shitty old Ford truck, right? Oh, I think it's beautiful, but that's just me. You know, like, Carrie, when Jake Gyllenhaal gets out of that truck, Uh and, you know, Ennis is already, he doesn't talk, he's very withdrawn, and... Carrie, the, from the moment they set eyes on each other, they're both uncomfortable. I mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't tell. Like, er, when we get along in this movie, and Ennis is like, "You made me this way." I'm like, "I'm sorry, sir." No, <laughs> I saw the I saw the meat cute. We're both uncomfortable with this, and like the truck lean. Oh, that you know, had when, me. When, when oh. Jack leans over on the bed of his truck, like when they're waiting for Joe to show up. It, this is cruising behavior. Oh, stop! And like when he's shaving in the in the rearview mirror, <laughs> looking at Ennis. Like yeah, and so Joe shows up, and I, like I have Randy Quaid is here, and his mustache is disturbing. I wrote these two are trying to get work from Randy Quaid, and Randy Quaid, sorry, Joe Aguirre, he describes the job. Now what I want is the camp tender to stay in the main camp where the Forest Service says. But the herder, he's going to pitch a pup tent on the QT with the sheep, and he's going to sleep there. You eat your supper and breakfast in camp, 
but you sleep with sheep. They're going to herd sheep for him up on Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, it's a two-man job. One guy stays at the foot of the mountain while the other one, you know, tends to the sheep up top. You sleep with the sheep. 100 percent and i'm like this is kind of crazy like you want this man to go to the top of a mountain and sleep there in the dark in the cold he's not allowed to have a fire yeah like what up like because it's illegal what they're doing is it i think that because i think the park rangers or whatever are gonna get wise if they see a fire going because i did talk about this later in my notes maybe i missed this detail then because i was like this just seems silly it's to Why keep... are we farming sheep on a mountain? I... You know what? There's a lot about that part of the movie that I don't really understand, but I don't care. It's not like you can't see a herd of sheep on a mountain from far <laughs> off. Like, what do they think they're really hiding? And, you know, it is rough terrain. It's just vast. <laughs> really wild country. Yes. You know? <laughs> And so, you know, yeah, he describes the job, and they basically get it. It's for the whole summer. They're mm-hmm. the only two that showed up. So, I mean, like, what else are we going to do? And it's on Brokeback Mountain. That's what it's called. Guys, I looked for the origin of the term Brokeback. It is literally just gay slang. But you've got a problem with the fact that it's canonically Brokeback Mountain and not just something they call the mountain. Yeah, this is, like, it's actually the name of the mountain in the story. And I'm like, but it's just a slang for two men doing exactly what the term suggests. Like, yeah. So both of them have at least cursory experience with this sort of thing, herding. Like, Jack's already done this job once before. Mm-hmm. Jack's really used to rodeoing, which I guess is not something I ever intellectualized you could be, like a professional rodeoer. Yeah, I know. Ennis comes from a ranching family. His parents died when he was young. He's got a gal named Alma he's planning to marry back home at the end of the summer. Jack Twist. Ennis. Your folks should stop at Ennis? Delmar. Nice to know you, Ennis Delmar. And guys, again, this movie's entirely too long. Like, this movie's like two hours and 15 it's, minutes long. It's that first chunk. It's there's not a lot going on until there is. Like, we get a long montage of them taking the herd up the mountain, <sighs> doing a lot of chores that I don't understand the purpose of. These put, like, the whole cowboy culture of wearing the hat and the plaid and the jeans and have knowing how to tie knots and the <laughs> ropes and the wrangling. It's and all completely lost on both of us. These Poor animals. I wrote, oh, to be farmed. Ew. What an existence. Yikes. Like, And, you know, Ennis is your typical uncomfortable and unwilling queer man. Yeah. You know, in the same way that Jack is your typical willing but masking queer man, you mm-hmm. know. And there's a lot of discussion and debate amongst viewers of this film about whether or not these two men are actually queer. And um, I'm sorry, I feel like we have our answer (laughs) in the film, but like, (laughs) yeah, no, it is possible to be, you know, mostly straight and also a time or two engage in same-sex, you know... Relations. Relations. And that is going to end up being one of the biggest points in this whole film once we get to the end, but we'll talk more about it later. I wrote, this is definitely the place to come. Like, it's just goddamn beautiful. (laughs) Like, C-U-M? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. God damn it. Like, just two beautiful men in the mountains and the sheep and their 
sucks. Like, you know. Stop. I'm sorry. Just wonderful <laughs> editing, wonderful cinematography, complemented by very nice evocative music, you know. Those those the that first, you know, chunk of the film, yeah, it's tedious. There's not a lot going on, but we digest. One day while coming back with supplies from the drop point, Ennis comes upon a bear, which scares the shit out of his horse. <laughs> And the horse throws him, and the mules carrying the supplies run off, and then he has to go on an hour's excursion trying to recollect everything before he gets back to camp. And when he gets back, Jack is literally mad that Ennis does not have dinner on the proverbial table for him. Well, all they're eating is fucking beans. (laughs) Like... I wrote, like, I bet this I bet this gig would be sweet for the nature, but I bet it pays shit. But I could do this, especially if there's another man involved. Oh, stop. Tucking the hair I don't have behind my ear. <laughs> and, like, yeah, there's a storm a-coming, and, Carrie, mm-hmm. that stream water, uh-huh. I want to be in it. I know you do. I want to be in it. And and you're right, with the, with the bear and everything, he's mad. What in the hell happened, Ennis? Come on, a bear is what happened. Goddamn horse spook and the mules took off and scattered food everywhere. Beans about all we got left. A whiskey or something? The way Heath Ledger just disappears into this character. I mean, he's, he's an Aussie. He Right? You know, and this accent that he's putting on. The full Wyoming of it all. The channeling the Ennis is just so perfect. And it always starts... These are how these situations always starts. The tending of a wound. Because when... I almost said Heath. When <laughs> <laughs> when Ennis encountered the bear and got thrown off and had to chase all the food and the mules down because they got spooked and ran away, he obviously got a head wound when he fell off the horse. And Jack wants to tend to his head wound. But, like, Ennis won't let him touch him. Like, yeah, we're a little self-conscious about it. Because we don't... I I'm a man. Mm-hmm. I can't let another man tend to me. God. Because any tenderness between two men, well, that's just unheard of. This is 1963. We don't do that. Yeah. This is 1963 Wyoming. We just don't do those things. You know, they're t- sick, tired about how they're sick and tired of eating just beans, and there's not a lot of food left because of the bear throw. So they actually just start hunting their own food when they're trying to hunt the elk. And Annis, <laughs> I wrote, they get a moose? Is it a moose? It's an elk. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, they kill that beautiful animal and consume it. And whatever, human continuum and shit, you know. But, like... But I love that scene because Annis hits the elk and, like, Jack is excited. Yeah. And, like, Annis pushes him over. Woo-hee! Yeah! Getting tired of your dumbass missing. <laughs> They're sitting around the campfire talking about their backgrounds. It's the most conversation they've had the entire movie, and it's been 23 minutes already. And, like, they're talking about rodeoing, and Ennis says that his dad always said that rodeo people were all fuck-ups. Yeah. And Jack, who has had a little too much whiskey for 4 o'clock in the afternoon, jumps up and starts acting like he's at one. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's like 
Ennis is this clenched fist with hair. Yeah. And Jack is just kind of slowly prying him open. <laughs> Stop! Sorry. You a- cannot do this anyway, the whole time. Anyway, it's it's going very slowly. And Ennis just kind of exists and works, and that's his life. You know, it's very simple for him. Jack has more dreams, you know, and wants more to life. And I wrote, at this point, they're just messing around, and the sheep are just nowhere to be found. They spend the entire day day drinking and talking and by the time it's time for Ennis to ride up the mountain he's too drunk he's too drunk to ride a horse so he proposes that he just sleeps at the camp and goes back up the mountain in the morning and he starts out sleeping outside by the fire because we're just two bros six feet apart because we're not gay you know and then the fire dies down and he's freezing his balls off out there and now we've got a twilight moment oh no yeah yeah now we've got a very new moon moment that's about to happen here jack finally invites him inside the tent like get in here it's not worth you freezing to death no it's the way it's the way jack leans out the tent and goes yes just quit your hammering get in here okay in the middle of the night Jack just decides, I'm doing this. Oh, no. And takes Ennis's hand, his arm, and puts it over him. <laughs> Ennis wakes up. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And they have a bit of a tiny tussle. But it rapidly escalates into a quickie. Guys, they get right into it. Yeah. Okay. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's excitement, but they just kind of fly together in this rough way. No foreplay, no nothing. They are drunk. He just starts fucking him. Like, a couple of things about this. Number one, I somehow knew Jack was going to be the instigator. I don't know how I knew, but I knew. And number two, I know there's no astroglide on this mountain. Carrie, <laughs> no! Do we have to mention it? <laughs> he spits in his hand. Ah! <laughs> and number three, somehow I knew Ennis would be the top. I just knew. Of course. <laughs> of course you did. It's the way a ja- it's the way that Jack is so adorable and the way Ennis is so quiet. And the next morning, they just don't talk about okay. it. Ennis wakes up and he's like, okay, wow. And like <laughs> pulls his pants up. And now it might just be a little awkward. It's like not until that next night that we have the I'm not gay conversation. Oh no, that's the thing. Like Ennis comes to find Jack at the end of a work day. This is a one-shot thing we got going on here. It's nobody's business but ours. You know I ain't queer. Me neither. Okay. All right. So neither one of us are queer, but we're acknowledging what happened last night. He's like, we're not doing that again. But guess what? It definitely happens again. Okay. And the second time... I'm sorry. It's a lot more romantic the second time. Like, Ennis literally just said this was a one-time thing and literally re-enters Jack's tent pouting for a fuck. (laughs) I know. And they do. And the other thing is, guys, because of the covertness of this operation, I guess, Aguirre's gonna check up on them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he spies them through binoculars, shirtless, just doing boy things. They're chasing each (laughs) other around and wrestling. It is quite... It is a very gay shot (laughs) watching them wrestle around. And Aguirre's just like, hmm. Queers. Yeah, no, he, you know, like, he knows something is amiss, but he can't really prove anything, so he doesn't say anything. 
And then one day, Ennis comes down off the mountain, and Jack says that Aguirre came back and told them because there's a storm coming in off the Pacific that they're going to have to bring the herd down off the mountain a month early. And Ennis is a little perturbed. Ennis is mad that Aguirre is cutting the job short. Ennis doesn't want to leave. Yeah, he's salty because he's not going to get to play slap and tickle with his boyfriend anymore. But he ain't queer or nothing. Yeah. You know, and it's this is just the beginning. This is just the first manifestation of the denial mm-hmm. of these feelings. And because the longing. Sorry, that son of a bitch, she's cutting us out a whole month's pay. Ain't, ain't right. Well, I'll spare you a loan, bud, if you're short on cash. Give it to you when we get the signal. I don't need your money, huh? You know, I ain't in the poorhouse. Shit. All right. Time to get going, cowboy. Oh, my God. And, okay, this part is really weird because he sees that Ennis is sitting off by himself. And, you this, know... This is the day they're supposed to take the herd down the mountain. Yeah, they're about to leave. Everything's packed. And Jack... Jack, you know, Jack loves the rodeo. And he takes his lasso... And, like, wraps, and, like, it, around wraps it around him. That's when he's like, time to get going, cowboy. <laughs> and they start fucking around. And it just... It turns into... This brawl? It turns into this full-on fist fight? It gets violent very quick. And it's, I think it's all because of Ennis. I think Ennis, first of all, doesn't like that he has to leave this, but then he's feeling confused about why he doesn't want to leave this, and then he thinks, no, this is wrong, this is bad, I'm not supposed to be doing this, and I think that's why he gets violent against him. I think he's viewing Jack as some sort of lech mm-hmm. in the moment. Like, Jack accidentally cocks him in the nose, and he's immediately like, oh, shit, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. But then Ennis hauls off and hits him, too. They both bloody each other up. Men are so weird. I'm like, what well, Everything world? is a show of strength. <laughs> <laughs> Come Jack says, you know, I'm thinking about doing this again next year if the army doesn't get me. And like Oh, this terribly awkward goodbye. And yeah, and then and then Ennis is like, well, I'm getting married. So <laughs> yeah. and I and I wrote Okay, bye, really intense experience, and now it's over, I guess. Hold on, you cannot blow past the comment about the shirt. Because, oh no, this is right, this is right. Because, you know, they're getting ready, right before they have their awkward goodbye, and it's just like... I can't believe I left my damn shirt out there. Yeah. That sucks. By the look in his eyes, Ross, in that moment, I'm like, he swiped that shirt. He swiped that shirt because it smells like him. I know. Oh, and it's going to hurt us later in the worst way. And, you know, Jack is driving away in his shitty truck watching Ennis walk down the middle of the road. It's it's a very country-western music video type of shot. And as soon as Jack is out of sight, Ennis goes over to the side of the road and has a breakdown. Yeah. He really didn't want that to end, and he really hates how he feels about that whole experience okay 
So we're moving on. Guys, just for clarity's sake, this movie moves very fast through time. It does. There's a lot of jumps over the 20 years that we get in this narrative. And we don't always get time markers, so we're going to do our best. Just try and stay with us. It's basically a year from the first summer now at this point. Yeah. And Ennis is married to girlfriend Alma, and they have two daughters, Alma Jr. and Jenny, and they have a little ranch of their own. Can, can you believe I had forgotten about Alma at this point? I know, I know. And that's Michelle. Williams is Alma and like Jack comes back the next year in 1964 to do this job again and Aguirre says you're wasting your time you boys sure found a way to make the time pass up there twist you guys wasn't getting paid to leave the dogs babysit the sheep while you stem the rose understand that expression. Neither do I, but I don't have to. All I know is that he's being homophobic. Is, like, is it about is it about the rosebud? No, it's about a penis. It's about... It's, well, the penis would be the stem, but the rosebud? Do you see what I'm saying? You're probably right. Oh, no. And he's like, get out of my trailer. You're disgusting. You're never getting another job with me again. And so Jack leaves, and oof, guys, 1964 in Wyoming... Looks and sounds lonely. Oh, geez. Like, like when you're gay and married to a woman, it sounds super lonely. Yeah. Not just for Ennis, but for Alma as well. Ennis uh, decides at a 4th of July event <laughs> that he's going to take out his homo rage on these two mouth breathers, these two total wastoids who were talking completely inappropriately with one another around his two daughters. Yeah, he's like, hey, I've got my kids here. Can you please watch your mouth? And then they say something nasty about Alma. Yeah. And he decides that he's going to roundhouse kick one of them in the face. It's such a great shot because he takes that guy out and then he's yelling at them with the fireworks exploding behind him. I don't want any trouble from you. You need to shut your slot bucket mouth. You want to listen to your lady then. Yeah. Move somewhere else. What about it? You want to lose my half your fucking teeth? Huh? Not tonight, bud. I sure rather not. It's this, it, I love this sequence because it's this distorted, conditioned view that little boys and men have about what it means to be a man, which is masculinity to the highest degree. Mm-hmm. Any type of femininity or sensitivity is a lot of the times in our culture, at least in America, if not, you know, conditioned out of little boys, beat out of them. Oh, yeah. And I have no doubt that that is probably an element in his childhood. He thought the best way to, Ennis thought the best way to be a man in that moment was to be violent towards these men. Kick them in the teeth. I have to show that I care about my wife by being violent. Even though I might not care as much about her as I would like to because she's not necessarily what I actually want. He doesn't know what he wants. That's the other problem. Yeah, he doesn't. These issues for men in these times were so bogged down and so in the back filing cabinet that they hardly even ever knew what the problem was or why they went through these bouts of depression like they did. Meanwhile, Jack's living in Texas, not having a good time. He's not riding bulls super well. He keeps trying to pick up rodeo clowns and having no luck. But then... Guys, we meet Lorene 
Newsome through the rodeo. She's a rodeo rider just like him. I like Lorene. <laughs> I, it, you know what, Ross? In my head, since I watched this, I've been going Lorene, 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 and Hathaway is finally here. That red cowgirl hat. Oh yeah, she rides in off the rodeo and she loses her hat on the way out, and he picks it up. Ugh. And hands it to her. Forget about it. The way she winks at him and clicks her tongue sends me. This is like Anne Hathaway's first big film outside of Princess Diaries. Mm -hmm. Because like Princess Diaries Royal Engagement was like 2004. Yeah. Right? And this is 2005. This was like right after all that. And this is another thing with the Lorene character. When... When girls pay attention to queer boys, (laughs) it's very special. Really? For the boy. I've never been a queer boy, so I would not. Because, and it's not just with queer boys, and it, but it also with queer men. When queer men get female attention, wherein they are attracted, as in the female is attracted to them, mm-hmm. that is special for the queer man because it is an image of something they know they can never have or think they can never have. Okay. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand it, but I am listening and I am nodding my head. Yeah, no. Like, yeah. it is very, very, it's a special feeling. And so that's why I think, you know, she, when she's like. What are you waiting for, cowboy? The mate and call. Oh, my God. And they're in the bar. <laughs> And then, like, we're in the car and we're getting hot and heavy. Not the half-naked grope in the backseat of her daddy's car. You don't think I'm too fast, do you? I wish you put the brakes on. Fast or slow, I just like the direction you're going. Mm. You are in a hurry. My daddy's in a hurry. Expects me home with the car by midnight. We get for the first time Anne Hathaway's boobs. I was not ready for that. I know. I wasn't because she took. And you're like, Princess Mia, no! No, Ross, I, <laughs> I put my hand up. I put my hand up to protect her, you know, alleged modesty. I was like, oh no, not Princess Mia's rack. But yeah, no, he's seeing this as a validation of something he thinks he's incapable of having. Like, I don't know. I think he's kind of engaging in this willingly, like from a bisexual. Well, of, cor- of course he is. Like, like I think he's actually interested in her. Like, I don't. I, th- that's. I wasn't implying that he wasn't. Oh, it's, okay. It's just. It's. It's also. There, it's still a special thing for him. Like, and before you can say vaginal diaphragm, Jack and Lorene have had a baby. Yeah, they got. Yeah, they got married and had a baby <laughs> since we last saw them getting hot and heavy in the car. This is where we get the first look at his in-laws, and his father-in-law is such a prick. He's one of those big good old boy buddy Garrity type SOBs who makes big money selling farm equipment. I wrote, Lorene's parents seem involved. <laughs> like over involved. Yeah, it's it's very, it's very Tom and Gene Vogel uh, from Mad Men, you know. Yeah. They're like very involved and like Obviously, Jack jumped at the chance to marry Lorene because that is, you know, his way out of his own reality. Mm-hmm. You know, that is how he can remain safe yeah. and secure and stable. And like we we see that Ennis and Alma have also made the move to above the laundromat. Mm-hmm. Jack sends Ennis a postcard. He says he wants to see him. He wants to get together. It's been four years by this point, right? Yeah, and he's going to be coming through his neck of the woods on the 24th and wants to connect. Hey, Ennis, do you know somebody named Jack? Maybe, but uh, why? So you got a postcard at come general delivery. Is he somebody you've cowboyed with or what? 
No, Jack, he rode here, it was mostly. Where was fishing buddies? And Ennis lies to his wife about who Jack is. We're fishing buddies. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, we've caught a couple big ones, haven't we? What exactly are we using for bait there, Ennis? <laughs> like, you know, he when he just writes back, you bet. <laughs> Ennis is nervous as fuck to see Jack again. Yeah, like, it, the 24th arrives, and Ennis is actually hanging out by the window in the living room, waiting for him to show up, chain-smoking, working his way through a six-pack like he's a lonely puppy trying to psych himself up. Okay, the, he doesn't think he's going to show up. Mm-hmm. And then he finally does carry. He is youth-renewed. The way he grins when Jack pulls up. Oh, the little bounce in his step as he's coming down the apartment stairs. Jack fucking twists. <laughs> and Carrie. Oh, the oh, hug oh, is hugging. Oh, the hug is hugging. Carrie, he for... I, I'm telling you this like you didn't watch the same movie I did. He forces him out of sight of the windows. Or at least he thinks he does. (laughs) And immediately begins eating Jack's face. Passionately kissing him. Like, it's like they're lovers who've been separated by war. Like, I mean, and (laughs) guys. Oh no, not the terrible awful. Alma comes to the door to get a look at Jack. And she witnesses it. And then immediately decides that she didn't. Oh no, she says nothing. She lets the both of them leave, knowing full well they're running off to do butt stuff. Like, yeah, she then has to meet Jack. Like, she just doesn't understand what's going on here. Like, they go to a motel, and Jack's like, oh, four damn years, what the fuck? Like, oh, and the way these men are able to compartmentalize the fact that they are both having an affair like he's while, like, while while cuddling each other and talking about their families is astounding. <laughs> yeah, I know, when they fill each other in. An army didn't get you? No, too busted up. That rodeo ain't what it was in my daddy's day. No. Got out while I could still walk. Mm. I swear to God, I didn't know he was going to get into this again. Oh, yes, I did. I redlined it all the way. I couldn't get here fast enough. I kind of remember what it was like to repress the gay feelings. I don't think I knew I was doing it at the time. Well, I don't think we ever had a queer relationship of this intensity with anyone. Well, like... uh, no, but that's what I'm saying is that, like, I don't, I don't even, I can't even begin to do the mental gymnastics that they have to do in order to, you know, go through what they're going through. Well, broke back out is good, don't you? What are we going to do now? No, doubt there's nothing we can do. So I'm stuck with what I got here. I'm making a living's about all I got time for now. <laughs> and Ennis is like, well, I doubt there's anything we really can do. I'm stuck where I'm at, and you've got a family too, and, like, you know, they're just, like, decide that, okay, this will just be an every-so-often thing. <laughs> and, guys... Poor Alma. Oh, the next morning, the next morning when Ennis comes home to find an antsy Alma who is not saying anything about the kiss still. Like, you could tell she didn't sleep that night, and he comes in barely looking at her, and he tells her that he and Jack are going to go fishing for a couple days. No, they are quite literally going to fuck off. And leave their families high and dry for the rest of the weekend. Can, like, Can you imagine if he had forgotten to grab the pole? Yeah. He almost does later, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Like, he's just, he, she is so devastated. Mm-hmm. And, like, th- the way they don't 
ever talk about it. I know. Like, she never brings it up with him. Like, And how do you? She doesn't know what to do about this. She has this terrible knowledge in her head. And, like, so they go back up to Brokeback. Alma knows what they're disappearing to do. Her whole life is shattered. I know. Like, it, and, and, like, I took this note, and you can hit me if you want. Uh-huh. Sometimes the straights can also be victims of homophobia. Oh, okay, fine. Actually, I thought you were going to say the exact opposite. It, which like, is that she's not a victim. This man is so terrified of who he is as a person and that he can't share it with his wife, who is supposed to love him more than anyone. Yeah. And you know what? His fears kind of are realized because she does know about it mm-hmm. and she does not like it. Mm-hmm. So they are out on their little wilderness getaway up on Brokeback and this is where we have to deal with something incredibly serious and awful because I think Jack says something to the effect of, you know what, it could always be like this. We could just abandon our lives, have a little ranch somewhere, be happy. <laughs> and <laughs> the way, the way, and this is like, look around you. It's 1967. Yeah. Everyone's a homophobe. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I've told you it can't be that way we both have our lives and they can't be intertwined and you and alma that's a life yeah oh, oh okay jack but then we get the story from ennis's childhood about poor old earl and rich a couple of aging ranchers who lived in his hometown they lived together in the same house in his hometown and people knew what they were doing yeah people knew what their relationship was about And then the really awful part is that one day Earl is found dead in a ditch and he had been beaten severely with a crowbar. And Ennis's father takes him and his brother down to see that body. They're nine and eleven. To show them what happens if you consort sexually or romantically with another man. Took a tire on to him. Spurred him up and drug him around by his dick till it pulled off. You seen this? Yeah, I was what, nine years old? My daddy, he made sure me and my brother seen it. Hell, for all I know, he done the job. And no wonder Ennis does not want to embrace this. Like... He doesn't want to get dead. The trauma. The trauma. How would that not warp you for the rest of your life? Wyoming is the place to get dead if you are queer. Matthew Shepard. Oh, no. Was that Wyoming? It is Wyoming. <gasps> oh, The no. Laramie Project, as in Laramie, Wyoming. Oh, no. Yep, that is where it happened. Like, two guys living together? No way. Ennis is like, we can do this once in a while, but we can't be together in the way you want. And he's like, if we can't fix it, we gotta stand it. There ain't no reins on this one, partner, he says. And I'm like, not all the cowboy talk. Like, that, like the forced denial for survival's sake mm-hmm. is just debilitating. Like, and home life is going super great for Ennis and Alma <laughs> once we get another little time jump. Yeah, I was gonna say, we get another time jump. I'm not sure how far, but it must be the 70s because everybody's sideburns are growing. Yeah. And, you know, since Alma saw the kiss, their marriage has pretty much gone down the tubes. And, like, Jack is now hawking combines at his father-in-law's dealership while Loreen does the books. And, like, their marriage at least seems functional. But Loreen can tell that Jack is distracted 
distracted a lot of the time, but she just doesn't... I, I find the Lorene character so interesting throughout this whole thing. She can tell that he's distracted with other things in his head, but doesn't seem to care too much about it. She just kind of, like, does her job and you know, shows up to him with things and only asks the occasional question about those 14-hour drives up to Wyoming to go on fishing trips with Ennis two to three times a year. Like, you know, their relationship is getting less romantic and way more professional. You know, Lorene says to, you know, Jack that Ennis is getting the better end of the deal. Ennis never comes down to Texas. Jack is always taking himself up to Wyoming. Because that's where Brokeback is, baby. Yeah, and that's where it all began. And by 1975, Ennis and Alma are divorced. Yeah. And I think it takes Jack all of five seconds to drive to Wyoming once he hears about it, only to find that he's shown up on the one weekend of the month that Ennis has the girls, right? I guess I'll I thought that this means you. Jack, I, I don't know what to say. Uh, see, I got the girls this weekend, and she's uh, uh, I'm sure as hell sorry. And the rejection he feels when Ennis won't spend time with him. Oh, I know. The tenderness of male affection is lost on humanity. It is. (laughs) Like, you know who both of these men also had in their lives? Shit fathers. Ah, yes. And I'm not saying having a shit father makes you queer, but it makes you, you know, we've all heard the term, daddy issues. Yeah. It makes you a little starved for male affection. It doesn't have to necessarily be physical. Yeah. But it has to be some kind of affection. I think it's very important for people to have that. And he gets so upset, Jack does, that he drives all the way to Mexico to solicit a male sex worker. Yes, no, he's burying his sorrows in Mexican sex workers. Oh, stop. Oh, stop. I'm sorry. Cut to Thanksgiving 1977, and we are having the most awkward dinner on the face of the planet at Jack and Lorene's house because... Once again, Jack's father-in-law is being an asshole. He's insisting that he carved the turkey in Jack's house and is refusing to let Jack shut the TV off for the meal. Like, Jack gets up, turns the game off. LD, or whatever his fucking name is, he gets right back up and turns it back on. It happens, like, three times. And on the third time, I don't know if Jack has just had it today or what, but the way he opens his mouth and goes, You sit down, you old son of a bitch! This is my house, this is my child, and you are my guest. You sit down before I knock your ignorant ass in the next week. When Lorene's dad's like, you want your son to grow up to be a man, don't you? Because he doesn't think Jack is any real example. Uh... And then Jack really acts like a man. (laughs) And it seemingly pays off. Things are not going much better at Ennis' Thanksgiving. I am glad that Alma still allows Ennis to participate in their family life because Alma's taken up with... Monroe. Yeah, the, since the divorce, like the he wasn't he the supervisor at the grocery store where yes. she works. Yeah, and so they're married now, and he's kind of like the Carrie Elwes character in uh, Liar Liar. Okay, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, he just yeah, and like he's their guest in their house for Thanksgiving, and like he's a guest in their house in that situation, and I'm like, wow, I would rather eat an entire steel-toed boot than sit <laughs> through that. <laughs> I really would, hey, but it's for the children, right? No, I know. Oh, boy, this goes so sideways so fast because... Like, like, just Alma is so uncomfortable 
all the time. Mm-hmm. And like she doesn't understand him. She doesn't understand Ennis. Still have never talked about the kiss at this point. And it's because we've still never talked about why. And, and here we go. She and Ennis are standing in the kitchen over the dishes. And this is where she finally confronts him about the fishing trips with Jack. Because she knows that tackle box and that fishing pole have never been used. She used to always wonder why he never brought fish back, right? The price tag didn't come off all five years that he had it. Like... And, like, the year she opened it and, like, before he left and put a note on the end of the hook that said, please bring back some fish, you know, to your wife and child. And then when he came back... It was there, untouched. That line never touched the water. Yeah. Oh, God. Ennis just is put in this place. He's back. It's like he's back to a corner and he feels like she has a gun pointed at him. I believe it. You didn't go up there to fish. You and him. You don't know nothing about her. I'm gonna yell for the rock. I'm gonna make the fucking floor. Get out! And so this dinner ends so poorly. Oh, he didn't even get to say goodbye to the kids. With the screaming and the the, the violence because when he is walking through the streets after that, like drunk as fuck. Oh, he picks a fight with some rando. He literally just pulls that guy out of his truck because he walked in front of it in traffic and just starts beating on him. This, This violence because he hates himself and everyone and everything because he cannot adequately express what is in his heart. This is what happens to men. We condition them to suppress all of that um, outward emotion, the the tenderness or the whatever that they can feel with other people or certain kinds of people, you know? And it's like, it's like Alma, by confronting him, just kind of loosened that valve. Yeah. And now it's gone full blast. Like, we get them together on the mountain again. They're back and... They're starting to look and sound like older men. Like, I love the little belly that Jake Gyllenhaal is obviously wearing. You know, he's got the stash and the sideburns. He's dad bod. And, like, you know, Ennis says to him, like, You a Marine, it's uh, normal and all. You don't ever suspect. You ever get the feeling, I don't know, uh, when you're in town Someone looks at you, suspicious, like he knows. Then you go out in the pavement and everyone's looking at you like they all know too. You know, because he's just been confronted by Alma about it, so he wants to know if Lorene also suspects anything. And she's like, he says she doesn't ever suspect. Jack does not answer. Like, he, and, and, and it's like, do you ever feel like people know? Like they're just staring at you and shit? Because I'm terrified. Because, like, Ennis is terrified, and Jack isn't. And Jack kind of just, I think he finds that line of questioning a little insulting. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Jack once again suggests leaving his sad existence. Sure, maybe you can convince Alma to let you and Lorraine adopt the girls. And we can just live together herding sheep. And it'll rain money from L.D. Newsom and and whiskey will flow in the streams, Jack. That's real smart. Real smart. If you want to live your miserable fucking life, then go right ahead. Fine. I was just thinking out loud. Yep, you're a real thinker there. God damn. That fucking twist. And Ennis is just like, you're stupid. No. And, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm never bringing it up again. This is where I have written, isn't it a little late in the movie for Linda Cardellini to be walking into the plot? Listen, we've got Cassie Cartwright here, folks. <laughs> she looks 
she's good. She is cruising Ennis in the bar, and because <laughs> she works there, right? She's a bartender. Yeah, and like they just kind of start hanging out, and I don't really know what Ennis is going for here because. He already knows this didn't work out for him the first time. The whole yeah. being with a woman thing. Indeed. I, I, maybe he's just trying very desperately to get what he gets from Jack from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, uh, no spoilers, but it's not going to work out real great. Back in Childress, Texas. Oh, yeah. Speaking of new characters, we cut back to Texas and Jack and Lorene are at this benefit for a children's hospital. That's basically a fancy hoedown. Lorene's gone blonde. <laughs> And the way I gasped when I saw David Harbour sitting at the table with them and next to him is Anna fucking Ferris. I was like, oh my God. These are the Malones, right? Mm -hmm. Randall and LaShawn. LaShawn likes to talk and Randall looks very cute in that cowboy hat. (laughs) Even though we ain't quite sorority sisters, we just may have to dance with ourselves, Lorraine. Our husbands ain't the least bit interested in dancing. They ain't got a smidgen of rhythm between them. It's funny, isn't it? Husbands don't never seem to want to dance with their wives. Why do you think that is, Jack? I don't ever give it any thought. Ooh, the pointed way she says that. Like, why do you think that is, Jack? Like, what do you expect him to do, Lorene? Actually answer that? And then he dances with LaShawn instead. Everyone in this movie is such a good actor. I know. It's so good. great casting. Carrie, the way I became so excited (laughs) when I saw David Harbour and Jake Gyllenhaal sitting alone together on that bench. They're waiting for their wives to finish powdering their noses, right? Yeah. And I, again, you're right. I saw them on that bench and I wrote in all capital letters, oh, please let this happen. Indeed. (laughs) And guys, it is implied that it does because Randall? Yeah, Randall. Randall is like, you know... We should go on a fishing trip. We should go on a fishing trip. I know of a cabin somewhere that we could go. Is fishing trip just like the code? I guess. <laughs> fishing for dick. Like Stop. He's got a little uh, cabin down on Lake Camp. Got a crappie house, a little boat. Said I could use it whenever I want. We ought to go down there some weekend. Drink a little whiskey. Fish some. Get away. Ennis is going to visit his daughter, Alma Jr., who's like 19 now, so we must be in the early 1980s, right? Mm -hmm. And I have Jesus Howard Christ, Kate Mara is here. Yeah, Kate Mara, yeah. I couldn't believe it. She just looks so shitty when he pulls up in that truck. And Cassie's in it. And Cassie's in the passenger seat. She's like, God damn it, I thought I was going to get quality time with Dad, but now the girlfriend's here. And they're sitting in that bar where Cassie works. And she's asking Alma Jr. if she thinks her daddy will ever get married again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Alma Jr. is so full of monosyllabic disinterest in her dad's girlfriend trying to bond with her. She's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, no. Well, I guess things aren't exactly going super peachy between Alma and Monroe either. Yeah, because I think now at this point her mother and Monroe have had another baby. Yeah. Which, God, there's 20 years difference almost between their (sighs) ages. I can't. And, like, she's asking Ennis when he's dropping her off back at home Mm -hmm. if she can come live with him for a while because she's sick of it there. I'd be an awful good help. I know I would. Now, uh, you know I ain't set up for that. With the roundup coming, and I won't ever be home. It's all right, Daddy. Well, you, I'm not saying that I it's wouldn't. It's all right, I understand. 
She wants to know her father. Yeah. And the whole thing about Ennis's life is that he's never been able to make ends meet. He's always, you know, struggled with that. He's always working. He's never had a lot of time for the kids. And like Alma, Alma is a little starved for that connection with her dad. And he just keeps pushing her away. Like she, he can't have her close to him without her finding out. Yeah. And so Annis and Jack are on another fishing trip, and they're talking about their love lives. First of all, this is the I wish I knew how to quit you scene. That's the line that's always quoted from this movie. No, yeah, Jack says, sometimes I miss you so much I can barely stand it. Oh, God. I can hardly stand it. And like, you know, when they're wrapping up to go again... Ennis has waited the entire trip. Oh boy. To tell him that he's not going to be able to get back up here as quickly as he would like to. Because they were supposed to meet up in August, but in order to get time off for this trip, Ennis had to take assignments through August. So he's not going to be able to get back up here to November. And Jack throws a little hissy fit about it. Like, he, when he goes, This is a goddamn bitch of an unsatisfactory situation. <laughs> This is a goddamn bitch of an unsatisfactory situation. It used to come away easy, and now it's like seeing the Pope. Jack, I gotta work. Huh? In them earlier days, I'd just quit the job. You forget what it's like being broke all the time. Like, Ennis is being reasonable. Like, I gotta work, Jack. He's like, gotta pay $300 in child support. Yeah. In the 80s. Yeah, like... Like, and Jack can just run off whenever he wants because his father-in-law's got all that money, right? And Jack has just had enough. All we got now is Brokeback Mountain. They said it. They said it. They said the title of the movie in the movie. And so they start fighting. The truth about... <laughs> the truth about the tryst in Mexico comes out. Okay, this is... I'm sorry, Ennis just... I'm not safe around Ennis. Oh, like, no, Ennis gets really unhinged about this. This unmitigated male rage that gets pent up when you can't be yourself, he like... threatens his life over this. Like, I'm sorry, that's an attachment. He doesn't want to think about anyone else having Jack's body physically. But also doesn't want to give him the love and affection that he's really craving on a regular basis. He's like, <laughs> how are you going to prevent me from getting the attention I need from you from no one else? Jack says, I can't make it on a couple of high-altitude fucks a year. <laughs> uh, you are too much for me, Ed. You sound a horse and bitch. I wish I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you? Why don't you just let me be, huh? Because of you, Jack, that I'm like this. Ennis blames Jack for him being the way that he is. Which I'm sorry is just not the case. Like, it's not Jack's fault because even if Ennis wasn't gay in a cultural sense, he can still find men attractive and want to touch them without feeling like there is something wrong with him because sexuality is what? Fluid. And the way they fall over crying in each other's arms, I just, I, they can't be happy together, Ross. They, yeah, I know, it's horrible. It's it, quite literally horrible. It's what they both want, but they can't have it. And I can't stand it because this is going to be the last time they speak. Oh, God. This is going to be the last time they speak. They make up after that fight 
And when Ennis hugs Jack from behind like a goodbye, he doesn't kiss him goodbye, Ross. Mm-hmm. He doesn't kiss him goodbye. He doesn't tell him he loves him. And Cassie goes south like immediately after this. Like he's just eating a piece of pie, Ennis is. He's just eating a piece of pie and having a cup of coffee in the cafe. And she walks in with this other guy. And apparently Cassie's been trying to get a hold of Venice for quite some time. He ghosted her. Yeah. The, the 1982 equivalent of ghosting. And, you know, she comes up to him and she's like, did you get any of my messages? And he's like, I probably maybe did get all of them. <laughs> oh, no. I don't get you, Ennis Delmar. Sorry. That's probably no fun anyways, but uh... Ennis, girls don't fall in love with fun. I feel like Ennis doesn't really understand how to be in a relationship with anyone. Because he's so confused about everything. Shit. Yeah, no, guys, it's, uh, it's bad. The next thing we know, Ennis is getting a postcard to Jack returned with the stamp of deceased on it. And I paused it. I went, wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, absolutely not. And absolutely so. Oh, he calls Jack's home. The call with Loreen, like, oh, this breaks me because she picks up. And it's crazy because when she realizes who she's speaking to, she goes very cold. Who is this? Ennis Del Mar, no buddy of Jack's. Jack used to mention you. You're the fishing buddy, the hunting buddy, I know that. Would've let you know what happened, but I wasn't sure about your name or address. Jack kept his friend's addresses in his head. She explains to him that Jack was killed when he was changing a tire and it blew up in his face. And it's the way that Ennis, we get these like flashes of what actually happened to Jack. See, that's the thing. I don't know if it's what actually happened or if Ennis just thinks that's what happened. I think it's what actually happened. You think this was a hate crime. And I think Lorene is feeding him a story. Okay. Because she can't admit to it. All the shots of Jack being beaten savagely by this group of men. But, like, you're right. It's the coldness of Lorene during this call because when he's asking her about stuff, just the look on her face, she knows. Mm-hmm. She knows exactly who this is and what went on between them. Like, Lorene just seems like she's almost devoid of deep feeling for what's just happened. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because she knows... That she's never really been what Jack wanted anyway. Yeah. And so, therefore, their relationship has always just kind of been one of survival, you know, mm-hmm. and facade and appearances. It, she's, the way she talks, it's like she didn't love him at all. And Ennis asks about where he's buried. And I'm going to try not to cry. Because... He wasn't buried. He was cremated. Mm-hmm. Loreen got half the ashes and his parents got half the ashes. He used to say he wanted his ashes scattered on Brokeback Mountain, but I wasn't sure where that was. I thought Brokeback Mountain might be around where he grew up. Knowing Jack. It might be some pretend place where a bluebird sang and there's a whiskey spring. Oh, man, we... We was herding sheep and broke back one summer. 
Well, he said it was his favorite place. Ross, I could fucking cry when I texted you this afternoon and I said, I'm up fucking set. Up fucking set, up yes. Up fucking set. you profoundly upsetting. Ennis goes up to see Jack's parents at their ranch because they have half the ashes and he wants to fulfill Jack's wishes. The conversation with the parents is also super uncomfortable because it feels like they know. They do. I know they do. Jack used to say... Ennis Delmar used to say, I'm going to bring him up here one of these days. We'll lick this damn ranch into shape. Had some half-baked notion the two of you was going to move up here, build a cabin, help run the place. And the dad is upset about it, but the mom, you know, Jack's mother, it's like she knows but she doesn't really know how to feel about it. It's like the way she's talking to Ennis versus how the dad is talking to Ennis. She's talking to Ennis, like, in a comforting way. Like, he lost someone, too. Yeah. You know? And, like, uh, again, with the crying, his mother lets Ennis go up to see Jack's boyhood room, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And he goes into the closet, which is just profoundly poetic. Remember that first summer when Jack said he might go see his parents this winter? This is where he went. And he's looking in the closet and he starts going through the clothes and he sees this denim shirt with blood on the cuff. It's the shirt Jack was wearing when they had that fight after their first time together. Mm -hmm. And he touches the sleeve and the sleeve moves and we see that shirt he thought he left on the mountain is hung on the hanger inside Jack's shirt. And this is where I started ugly crying. Mm Because the exact thing that Ennis did not want to happen to either one of them happened to Jack. And he wasn't around to do anything about it. He was murdered. He was. He probably was. And And no one can be honest about it. In the same way that no one could be honest when a queer family member died from HIV or AIDS. You have to hide the reason. Oh, they had pneumonia. Or they had cancer. Oh, a tire blew up in his face. Yeah. He wasn't hate crime to death. A tire blew up in his face. Like... Oh, my God. And in the end, Jack's father still doesn't let him take the ashes with him. Yeah. So he just kind of has to go on like that, and I have Christ on a pony. How can there possibly 15 minutes left in this movie? Mom mom lets him take the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. At least there's that. At least there's one thing, you know? The shirts, plural. He grabbed both of them. Wrapped his shirt up in the denim one so she wouldn't notice. So Alma Jr., 19-year-old Alma Jr., comes to see her father. (laughs) At the trailer park. Yeah, because that is where he has... Ended up. Ended up now. I thought this scene was going to end a lot differently than it does. This man goes through his entire life being confused and angry and violent and upset because he can't make sense of his emotions or how they fit into the world around him. And Alma Jr. is here to tell Ennis 
that she's engaged to be married and that she would like for him to attend the wedding. Oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, I can't believe he is hesitating on this. Yeah, because that's what his excuse always is, right? I gotta work. I gotta work. And, like, you know, when he looks at her and goes, Miss Kurtville, he loves you. Yeah, Daddy. He loves me. It's just kind of this moment where Ennis realizes that that is actually what is most important. It is in this moment that he thinks about the life he could have had if he had just nutted up and realized that the only thing that mattered was that Jack loved him. And he loved Jack. Yeah. Fuck. Because I I thought this scene was going to end really differently. I thought this was going to be the scene where he admits to his daughter, you know, what his relationship with Jack was. But that's not how it ends. No, yeah. He agrees to come to the wedding. He's like, (laughs) goes over and gets some cheap wine out of the fridge. Yeah. And he's like, well, I think they'll just have to find themselves another cowboy. Yeah. And then she leaves and he goes over to the closet. Again, the closet imagery is so poetic. No, it's like he fixed it. Because now, Jack's shirt is hanging inside his. Because he's the top. Stop. Sorry. (laughs) In this moment, how dare he? And he's got the post, he's got the Brokeback Mountain postcard pinned up next to his shirts. And he's like about to cry. And all he says is... You guys are just expected to go on with your days now. Yeah. What did you text me? You said. I was like, well, how am I supposed to go on living? Yeah, like. (laughs) I want to crawl in a hole and fade. I feel like this movie at the end really feeds into the queers will never make it to the end of the rainbow trope. You know, like whenever you start to get a queer relationship in a TV show and they kill the queer character or, you know... Or they're separated. Yeah, like... And it's like, oh my God, can't we just please be happy? And so that kind of confuses, I feel like, the the viewers when it's like, what are we supposed to take away from this? That this man lived his whole life not understanding his romantic emotions for this man and now he's just he just has nothing? Yeah. Is it to teach us as viewers to live as we are so that something like that doesn't happen to us? But also, how can we do that when the world wants to murder us for being the way we are? Well, I think we can both agree that it is much easier today than it ever has been. Still have queer people being murdered for being who they are. Yeah, no, it's and it's mostly it's mostly the anti-trans movement. We're all fucking human beings, and we're allowed to want to touch each other, goddammit. <laughs> all right, let's get out of here. I'm fucking sad. Uh, I need a drink. All 
All right, guys, going from one heavy subject about male, about queer male rage into another. Next week, guys, we are going to be covering for you. We're going to be breaking it down. The 2011 historical biopic, J. Edgar. Oh, criminy. And yes, guys, it does deal with a queer historical figure. I'm sorry, he was queer. <laughs> I am willing to debate this with you at nauseum. I will come prepared with my facts. Leo DiCaprio is amazing in this role. Uh, I know, you hate it. <laughs> and it's okay. I'm mostly just dreading the history lecture I'm going to get next no, week. And guys, I know I know it's the way we're like, happy pride! But then we're like, serious male issues. But like, you know. I mean, hey. They bear talking about. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, folks, please be practicing the three R's rate, review, retweet. Rate, review, retweet, folks. We want everyone to come and join this little queer fucked up watch party. <laughs> More quality content coming to you from kicking and streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, a sorry, sorry mom. mom.